Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. As always, it's a pleasure to have you with us. If you want to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, I encourage you to check out our website, biblicalcc.org. If you're brand new to this podcast or to our ministry, be sure to go there and find the thousands of free resources there to help people who are hurting and also to help people who help those who are hurting. Today, you're going to hear part two of the podcast series that I did actually where I was a guest on the Mighty Oaks show. Last week I did part one. Uh, It was an hour long show. So we decided to split it up into two podcasts for you because our podcast average about half an hour each. Uh, So you'll hear the continuation of that. If you didn't hear part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that first, just because you're going to be kind of at a loss for where we are in the flow of the conversation. Uh, I'm on the advisory board for the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program, and I studied their program as part of my dissertation and my PhD research, uh, showing just how effective their program is at helping people who are are struggling with post-traumatic stress. And they invited me onto the show for PTSD Awareness Month, which is June, to talk about post-traumatic stress what it is, how to understand it biblically, and also how to address it biblically. So I hope that you're encouraged by what you heard on the last episode and this episode. And thanks again so much for being with us on 1514. When we talk about um, dealing with post-traumatic stress, we might say broadly from a faith perspective, but really it's from a biblical perspective. Um, Sometimes people take that to mean, at least from us, that we're in conflict somehow with the Veterans Administration or with clinical therapies and those things. And and I like to describe it as, you know, a clinician would start with medical, clinical therapies. It could be medication. It could be other things. And add faith later on down the road if they thought that was a helpful tool. (laughs) And what we try to do is flip that upside down and say, well, we're going to start with faith (laughs) And then if there's some something clinical or something medical down the road that's a helpful tool, we'll add that. Yep. We've got to start with faith. We've got to start with the right foundation um, because otherwise, you know, the help that you might receive certainly is not, it's not going to be all that it needs to be and it won't last. When we talk about dealing with PTS from a faith perspective, um, what are some of the essential elements of that for you? If someone sits down in front of you and you're helping them work with, let's say, combat trauma, um, sexual trauma is, again, something we we see a lot even amongst mm-hmm. combat veterans. Yep. So a very clinically traumatic event has taken place. It's having both emotional, uh, spiritual, and physiological uh, impacts on them. It's hurting the relationships. What we would consider a classic case, how do you approach that from a biblical perspective, what does that mean when we say that? I know you've spoken broadly about identity and God's purpose and those things, but what are some of the things you would say to that person? Here's what you need to know to get on the road to healing and help. Yeah. Well, as I as I mentioned before, we were talking, I have a six hour training for counselors who want to learn this. So I, I can't give well, you, you have the full, 18 minutes. So, you know, give you the full 16 hours, but a couple of things I'll, just to say, just to highlight, actually one, uh, there was an interesting article that came out in the journal of the American medical association in January of 2019 that actually 
said the VA and the DOD have moved away from pharmacological treatments as the frontline treatment for post-traumatic stress because they found that the, the negative consequences far outweigh any benefit, except mm. in rare circumstances where veterans have been uh, shown to be extremely resistant to counsel. And what they do promote, what they do move to are three forms of, of talk therapy, cognitive processing therapy, exposure therapy, and EMDR. And at the center, I'm not going to go into all of those, but at the center of every single one of those is the concept of changing thinking, period. Mm -hmm. it's, for exposure therapy, it's helping you understand that the things that you're experiencing and you're acting in a fearful way towards are not actually fearful. Cognitive processing, it's looking for things that they call stuck points, which are actually just falsehoods that somebody's believing, and they're trying to help them think about what is true. Um, and then EMDR, the current theory of why it works is that it's helping you shift um, memories that were not processed in long-term memory uh, into long-term memory, which they, that's just like theory number five of why that works now. Um, <coughs> the, the amazing thing is at the center of most of those things is changing thinking. Uh, yeah. The center of biblical counseling is, is not just changing thinking, but that's a significant aspect of it. And we have the actual truth that they need to be thinking. Versus in those other therapies, when it's client-centered, that person creates a truth that they would rather believe themselves instead. Mm -hmm. But God does not let us find comfort in lies, like ultimately. Uh, yeah. For a moment, for a season, people might find some comfort in a lie. But the, the gospel has to fill somebody's life. And the truth is what sets people free. The truth, not just their truth or a truth, but the truth. So getting, uh, and this is where you guys, uh, what I do in my long-term, like counsel, like over a period of time in counseling with somebody uh, is building off of the exact same things you guys are doing in one week at the Legacy Program. It's helping you say, this is what God's word says life is supposed to be like. This is where your life is. What do we need to do to bring these two things in alignment with one another? Uh, and, and so I get into the heart and I ask, I look at people, when you look at the scriptures, it describes the inner workings of man, the heart, uh, in cognition, affection, and volition, our thinking, our feeling, and our desires, our choices. And those are all intertwined. They're all mingled together. They work together. But I really try to say, okay, what is it that you're thinking, feeling, and desiring about yourself, God, and others? And where is are those things out of whack with what God, the truth of God's word says? And so we're going to spend a lot of time asking questions, uh, hearing their history. Sometimes I do uh, traumatic memory um, interviews where I actually not always in, a, in, in my class, I kind of specify when I do this, when I don't do this. But what I'm looking for is anything that's out of alignment with God's original design plan. So I start them, I start by showing them, this is what God says humanity is supposed to be. This is what God says our lives are supposed to be like um, with him, other people, ourselves, how we interrelate with those things. And then I start looking for all the places that they're out of out of alignment with that, first and foremost is their relationship with God. If they're not yeah. a believer in Jesus Christ, that's going to be central and first and foremost. I don't, um, there are some counselors who will stop meeting with somebody if they don't profess faith in Christ right away. I don't do that because I, I want to give people a little bit more time, uh, sure. demonstrate the power of change in, in, in God's word, um, leading them to the gospel. 
But if they are thinking that God is this ogre who's just punishing me, that's a, that's a fault. That's not true. And that's really radically going to affect how they approach God, how they approach life, how they perceive their trauma and their suffering. Um, but I also, one of the broader categories, and this is one of the things I've, I've loved talking to your instructors about, because you guys can't get into this as much in one week, but I really try to help people grieve uh, and deal with their grief and suffering before I deal with guilt and sin mm. because it begins to soften their heart it demonstrates to them that I care about them because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, right. And it shows them that God cares. And this has been yeah. pretty a pretty significant change for a lot of people. Like I had, I've had counselors who have been doing it for 20, 30 years come in and say, wow, that shift alone in my approach to people has opened up people's hearts uh, dramatically. Because um, there's a lot of, we, we as people, People and we as Christians don't know how to grieve very well. Uh, and we all suffer losses and we do all kinds of wackadoo, stupid things to not actually grieve. We stuff it down, we ignore it, we minimize it, we, we all kinds of things. But when we can actually, there's a, a process in scripture that God can take us through to, to bring our griefs and our sorrows to him. And those griefs and sorrows, I tell people, listen, it doesn't matter if, if those losses and suffering were caused by your sin, God still cares about them. He, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. And he doesn't say just those cares and concerns that, that came because of other people's sins. You, you deal sure. with your own sin on your own part and then come to me with all the rest. He's like, bring it yeah. all, bring it all. Right. And then ultimately the, the main thing is helping them see uh, you know, I walk through the grief, then I deal with any questions of guilt because that's a big one, right? Like people are always wrestling with what did I do that I shouldn't have done? Could I have done more? Shouldn't I have done this? You know, veterans, rules of engagement can be kind of tricky sometimes. And, and what is uh, legally allowed might violate my moral compass and my conscience. So I'm wrestling with that. And so helping people filter through those questions uh, and then ultimately, and undergirding all of it is the gospel, because Jesus' blood covers over all our suffering, covers over all our guilt, whether we can identify exactly how much how responsible we are or not. And then I move them towards the the other third, like big capstone, is the 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 purpose thing. What was what's God's purpose for my life? What's God's purpose for creation? What's God's purpose for my suffering? And what's God's purpose for me now after I've suffered? And, and re-engaging them on a new mission uh, to live for God and his glory. And that's huge. And a part of that is their suffering. Yeah. Um, helping people see that post-traumatic sanctification that actually I'm a better person I might have some physical weaknesses. I might have some other problems, but I'm a better person because of my suffering than I would have been without it. And just a brief story like I shared, there's a, a gal I've been counseling recently, and <clears throat> she was able to help a friend who recently went through suffering. And I said, a year ago, prior to what you went through, would you have handled that in the same way? No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I would have handled it completely different. I said, and because of the suffering you went through, you were able to connect with her in a really meaning, meaningful, significant way that you would not have been able to do before that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not all of, but a part of God's plan 
for bringing you through that suffering was for you to be there to help that other gal. And you guys talk about it all the time. It's paying it forward. It's turning around, helping the next guy behind you. It's not just about me. It's about living for God and other people. Um, yeah, so those are kind of three big things, dealing with grief, dealing with guilt, and dealing with purpose. Uh, all of it pointing, undergirded by the gospel, and pointing to Christ and God's glory. That's fantastic. Um, man, like you said, you got about five and a half more hours of content that yeah. you could probably uh, <laughs> dive into. Um, one of the things that you know we talk about uh, in our program and just, just more generally is resiliency. It's better to, to be prepared for these events than it is to try to deal with them on the other side if you can. Um, quickly, what are some things that maybe parents helping their kids grow up mm-hmm. need to instill in their kids? Uh, some folks who might look at their life and go, you know, I, I really haven't dealt with a lot of things, but life is life and I might at some point. Uh, how do we build resiliency into our lives so that when we deal with traumatic events, we'll handle them in the right way and be able to move forward in a, in a, in a positive way and in, in the way that God would desire for us to move. Yeah. I mean, you and I, I remember really pointedly having a conversation with you a few years ago where we just talked about your upbringing versus Chad's upbringing and the, the radical differences that were there and how, right. and obviously everybody, what everybody experiences is different, but in a sense, your ability to, to bounce back a little faster uh, than Chad. And a lot of that was grounded in your faith, right? Uh, you growing up in a pastor's home, being taught scripture, being taught theology. Uh, I say with resiliency, well, first of all, there's a, f- a few different ways we use that term. One is kind of the person who, um, and I like this analogy of a tree that goes through a storm. Mm-hmm. There are some trees that just stay straight up and don't even bend in the wind, right? Uh, that's a, f- a, a way that some people perceive resiliency, uh, the other is the tree that bends, like the palm tree that bends and then pops back up into place after the storm. It bounces back. That's one way of resiliency, of perceiving resiliency. The other is that tree, and, and you've seen them driving along Highway 1, the coast of California, are those trees that bend with the storm and kind of take on a new shape afterward. Mm-hmm. All of those are, are manifestations of what we would call resiliency. And so for some people to recognize that resiliency doesn't mean that I'm not changed. If we are unchanged by our suffering, that's actually not in line with what God wants, right? Right. If we're con- it's not normal either. <laughs> right, and it's not normal, right? That's, yeah. that's the unhealthy, like, I'm more scared about the guy who can watch somebody get torn apart and be unbothered by that than the person who is affected by seeing that happen. That person's soul, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to work in a different way. Um, but just understanding that that resiliency does not mean I'm unchanged because actually God wants to change you through, yeah. but he wants to change you in a good, in like towards Christ likeness, but building resiliency, preparing people is establishing solid faith, teaching good, a good theology of suffering ahead of time. You know, if we raise our kids to think that life is all about them and all about being happy and healthy and living this best life now, and they go out in the world and they suffer, they're going to jettison all of our teaching. They're going to be like, yep. you guys are gone. You're, you're, you're way off. So teaching them, no, the Bible says you're going to suffer, but it also teaches you how to suffer well, who to go to in your suffering, making sure you have a solid community. That's another thing, those pre-traumatic factors that I didn't mention before. What kind of support does the person receive 
in the midst of their suffering and then after their suffering. If you're in a community that says, suck it up, buttercup, you, you shouldn't be bothered by that, that's not going to help you. But if you're in a community that understands, takes time to pray with you, support you, encourage you, talk to you. Um, I forget, there was a book and I was reading law enforcement officers who are involved in a shooting. If their command supports them versus their command questioning the legality of their shooting, those who get questioned are 50% more likely to develop PTSD than those who uh -huh. don't. Yeah. So that, that support network. So having a community of people around you who love you, care for you, are there for you and help you suffer, uh, learning to suffer, that suffering is going to happen and being prepared for it, learning to suffer well. Most of all, having a strong faith relationship with Christ and bringing our suffering to him is, is those are all keys to resiliency. That's awesome. Um, last question. What are some resources, maybe some books, that you would recommend to someone who's on the front end of this, uh, again, either a family member trying to help someone or someone just trying to find, you know, help for themselves, some resources, yeah. some kind of entry level places they can go to get help. Yeah. Uh, Greg Gifford has a book called helping the family through PTSD. So if you you are a family member of somebody who's struggling with post-traumatic stress, get that book and read it. Uh, the path to resiliency and, and um, the truth about PTSD from you guys are great entry level Marine Corps level resources. <laughs> uh, I'm an Air Force vet, so I can read a little higher level, you know. Um, the, uh, there's a, gr a great book uh, in our 31-day devotionals for life series uh, called Over... Oh, man, I cannot remember, but it's dealing with a difficult past, basically. And uh, the, the gal who wrote that, that's an excellent... You know, somebody's going to get a scripture in two pages a day for a month to just think through their past and deal with that. Um, another one is on the grief side, which is phenomenal, just has shifted the way I counsel and, the, and the, the way I train people, is God's Healing for Life's Losses by uh, Bob Kellerman. And that is really a biblical uh, way of grieving that counters and contradicts the, the classic five phases of grieving that everybody just takes for granted that that is the truth. Uh, that's devoid of God. It's devoid of scripture. It's devoid of like soul truth. Uh, God's healing for life's losses lays out a biblical path towards godly grieving. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the sheets I didn't print. I have a whole list of things yeah. that I recommend, but those, those four I think would really be helpful starting point for people. And then on the Biblical Counseling Coalition website, you guys have tons of you know, yeah, Biblical Counseling Coalition, uh, biblicalcc.org. If you click on the menu button, there's a resources tab, and there are thousands of free articles, blogs, podcasts, other things uh, in an alphabetized listing of problems. <laughs> uh, there's some on PTSD, obviously, but there's others, you know, because people, that's not their only issue. Uh, you know, they're going to have all kinds of problems. So those are totally free. Check those out. Also, if you're interested in getting further training, if you're a counselor, uh, you can reach out to me at info at solomonsoulcare.com. Uh, that's the, the ministry I, I do my counseling and counseling training through, solomonsoulcare.com, uh, spelled just like in the Bible, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. Um, yeah, so go to those places um, and, and get some more resources. Yeah, that's awesome. Curtis, man, I really appreciate it. Um, we need to have more conversations like this, and we have over the last year tried to be more intentional about it, but this is such a – 
it's one of those issues that we all know exists, but a lot of people don't know much about it or how to deal with it. Yep. And uh, really appreciate your insight on all this. Thank you for doing it. My pleasure. I, I so thankful for the opportunity and that the Lord has is, is blessed me with the chances and the opportunities that he's given to, to do this kind of work. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.